Our scripture this morning comes from the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, the first 16 verses. Listen for the word of God this morning. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me. God, I pray, Holy Spirit, you would fall on this place, dwell here, may your presence be known. Take the words that I have humbly prepared and make them yours. Open our minds and hearts for the message you would have for this time, in this place, for these that are gathered here. Amen. Well, my friends, we did it. We made it. It's August the 2nd. It's the end of the interim interim. Our new senior pastor started yesterday. His first day in the office is tomorrow. His first day in the pulpit is next Sunday. We did it. We have gone through a lot to get here, to say the least, especially in the last few weeks and months. Worshiping in the gym, totally gutting our sanctuary, we have come through. Some time ago, you elected a pastoral nominating committee, men and women that you trusted to bring a new shepherd to Westlake Hills Presbyterian Church, and they have done it. They searched far and wide. He is here. The 
PNC has prayed, we have prayed, Mark has prayed, and we have stuck together during this interim period. During the interim, interim, that's what us in the office call it, the interim, interim. <laughs> Since May, it's been interim, interim. And we should celebrate. We should celebrate our unity as the body of believers. But we're not done yet. We need to continue to be unified as Pastor Mark joins us and as he stands in this pulpit and as he leads us. We need to maintain our unity. In our scripture for this morning, we heard about unity from a disciple of the Apostle Paul. He was writing to the church in Ephesus, a church that was made up of many nationalities, nestled in a capital city of a Greek colony, it's in modern-day Turkey, on a port city in the Mediterranean. Typically, when the Apostle Paul wrote a letter to a group of Christians, it was because there was some problem or some issue that was happening in the church, and it needed to be resolved by Paul. But that's not the case for this letter in Ephesians. There's really no major crisis going on in Ephesus. They were a body of believers made up of different traditions and nationalities. They were Jews and Gentiles, and they were living and worshiping together in harmony, in unity. They had unity, and the writer was writing to warn them not to take this unity for granted. They are bound together by God, the Father of us all. They are bound together as one, there is one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all, one. Unity must be maintained to be worked at in order to continue it. This is their calling, to maintain the unity in their community it's our calling, too, to maintain our unity in our community, and especially now as we are stepping out into a new chapter here at Westlake. In the lesson from this morning, we find some tools that can help us to maintain this unity and to help us maintain this balance. Humility, gentleness, patience, and love. Humility, or lowliness, as the word literally translates, helps to keep us grounded. It reminds us of who we truly are as creatures made of dust. We are dust, we're finite. Humility does not seek importance, doesn't seek special consideration, Humility allows us to step back and to let others take the lead and to take credit for it. The Greek word used here had a derogatory connotation in the ancient world. It was a word used of slaves. Now, let me explain. In the Greek culture, there were men and then women and then children and then like animals and then slaves were way down here. So for the writer of this letter in Ephesians, writing to Ephesus, be like this lowly thing, 
be like this lowly slave, was countercultural. It was not a virtue that was honored by their culture back then. And honestly, if we think about it, I don't know that humility is a virtue that's honored by our culture, is it? The writer is asking us to be countercultural when we let others take the lead, when we step back and let others have the glory and the credit. But humility is so key to unity. It's also one of the main characteristics of that guy we all know, Jesus, right? Who made himself the lowest of the low for us. Gentleness, literally meekness, keeps us aware that we are all part of a whole, part of something bigger than ourselves. Gentleness challenges us to not be touchy, to not get offended. It challenges us to resist being malicious when we're hurt, resist seeking revenge. Gentleness helps us build each other up instead, helps us to work together to seek a common goal. Let's just stop for a minute. Can you think of someone in your life who you would describe as humble and gentle? And sometimes you just look at them and you go, how do you do that, right? What a gift they are and how they challenge us to be that humble and that gentle. Our next tool that scripture talks about is patience. Patience, you know, that thing we always pray for but we don't actually want, right? Patience. How many of your parents? Yeah, you get it. When you pray for patience, it's immediately tested, isn't it? Right? I have a five-year-old and I have a one-year-old. And the five-year-old, ugh. The one-year-old's still cute, right? But the five-year-old, mmm, right? Testing, testing. The Greek word used here actually translates long-tempered, right? Long-tempered. It implies being able to deal with people that are difficult. Now, I don't know about you, but my five-year-old, I could toss him because I can. He's still light enough. He is so difficult sometimes. But I can be difficult too, right? When I, you know, it's my way or the highway. That's not being patient, right? We need to learn patience Sometimes we have strong opinions and thoughts. Sometimes we think one side or the other side. So when we get into these situations, let us remember to be long-suffering, long-tempered with each other as we disagree, but disagree well and respectfully. Patience is needed for unity. When I think of a good example of patience, I think of Jesus and his disciples. After three years of following him around, sometimes the disciples would say stuff and do stuff, and Jesus would just turn around and say, why do you doubt? Where is your faith? He was so patient with them when they royally screwed up, when they denied him three times. You think of how Jesus reinstated Peter patiently. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord. Peter, do you love me? Yes, feed my sheep. Okay. Three times he was so patient. 
he was patient with them and he was gentle with them and he showed them how to be humble. But most of all, Jesus loved them. Love. Such a loaded word, love. What comes to mind when you think of love? Hearts? Sappy emotions? Oh, I love you so much. Happily ever after? Weddings? Do you think of a cute elderly couple holding hands? Sometimes I do, you know, with the heart around them. Or maybe, for you, love is grounding your teenager after he or she came home after curfew again for the third time this week. That's love. Or maybe love is sitting in a hospital room night after night after night after night. Love. It's not just a feeling, is it? It's also a choice. It's an action. It's something that we do. It's casting aside our self-promotion and seeking the well-being of someone else. It's doing love, putting others first, putting their well-being before our own. Doing that in this faith community, in our lives, this is how we grow, by doing love. This is how the church will grow, by doing love. These tools that we have, humility and gentleness and patience and love, they're all needed for unity. We need these tools in order to maintain what we have here to maintain our bonds of peace. Unity is needed for us to grow. It's needed in us. It's needed. It's needed for us to move forward in order to do what God wants us to do in this place, what this body is called to do with this new shepherd that we have. We need to get behind him, follow his leadership. Unity is a divine gift, must be cultivated, must be cherished as we live together in relationship and in harmony with one another. Unity doesn't mean sameness. It doesn't mean uniformity. It doesn't mean we all have to think the same thing. We are all unique. Each of us has different things that we're good at each of us has different things that we can offer. Each of us has different thoughts going on in our head. We are diverse in this. We are diverse in our giftedness. And this is something to celebrate. It's something to get excited about. Our gifts given to us by Jesus are to be used to benefit the whole body of believers here. Our gifts work together to bring us to spiritual maturity. That's the goal. That's God's plan is for the church to be harmonious, to work together as a whole, just like the body works together as a whole. Every ligament doing its own thing. Hand-eye coordination, right? There's a reason why they call it hand-eye coordination. The eyes have to work with the hand to pick up something, right? We have to work with each other to move forward in ministry. We need to work together to maintain our balance and our unity because the church is not rigid. It's not a static thing. The church 
is alive. It's living and breathing, and it's made up of living, breathing people. Wonderful, gifted, creative, talented, intellectual, smart, clever people, sharp people, each responsible for the part they play in the whole, each responsible for their own spiritual growth and nurture and discipleship, each one of us working together toward that spiritual maturity. As followers of Jesus, we are each striving and working on our personal discipleship and growth, striving to align ourselves with the purposes that God has for us. And in doing this, we're growing into becoming more and more like Jesus, more and more spiritually mature, consistently and constantly reaching out for Christ, seeking to know him more. Reaching for Christ is a lifelong journey, never ends, and it requires work, active work, daily work. You cannot just coast on your old experiences with Jesus. Jesus wants new, fresh, exciting experiences with you, ones that will draw you in deeper and allow you to get to know him, his heart, more fully. Having just celebrated 10 years of marriage, I have learned the hard way that you simply can't coast in your relationship with your spouse, or with anyone for that matter. You will become disconnected really, really quickly, especially in the time when you have little kids and they're taking up all of your time. It's the same with the relationship with Jesus. It takes daily connection and time together, daily reading of scripture to learn more about Jesus, daily prayer and quiet time spent talking to Jesus and listening to Jesus. Sure, we're all busy, aren't we? All very, very, very busy, but we need to give priority to this relationship with Jesus because this relationship is the most important one in your life. Giving time to Jesus is how we grow, how we mature, how we grow in our knowledge of him. Now, we don't all need to go to seminary to get knowledge of Jesus, right? I went to seminary. I read a lot of books that told me what Jesus was like, but that didn't help me have relationship with him. Doing it every day did. Time, each day every day with Jesus. Unity and maintaining our unity, growing into spiritual maturity, having relationship with Jesus, showing humility and gentleness and patience, building up one another in love. Love is the glue of our community. Love is what knits us and binds us together as one. These are God's design, God's master plan, that the church, we, be unified. That believers understand that they have been gifted, each one, to build up the body using their gifts. 
And as we move into this new chapter with our new senior pastor, with Mark, let us make every effort to keep the bonds of peace that we have, to keep our unity. Unity is what we have and what we need to strive for. Let's use those tools of humility and patience and gentleness and love. Let's choose to love. And in doing so, we will set ourselves on a course that is open to the Holy Spirit's nudgings about where we're supposed to go, what ministries we're supposed to do. Let's do it together. Amen.